a blessed Easter to you, dear friends in the Lord. Indeed, the tomb is empty. Welcome to Pathways of Hope, Daily Gospel Reflection. My name is Aldem Salvania, and I am so blessed to share with you my earnest Easter reflection on today's Gospel of John 20, 19-31. So sorry to interrupt the celebration as I ask the question, If God loves the believers, does God hate the doubters? Speaking of doubters, I'm sure you know who comes to mind when it comes to the Bible. History might not have looked too kindly on St. Thomas, the Apostle, mainly because people like to name-call. <laughs> name-calling is such a favorite pastime that schools can only afford to stop it for a week. Then, students have to go right back to name-calling each other for the rest of the year. But name-calling is important and was the first activity of Adam who named all the livestock, the birds, and every beast. Labeling is so crucial, you cannot imagine googling anything that has no label. <laughs> How can you even google that? It's like searching a map with no street signs. That's really tough. Granted that labeling is important, here's the pickle though. You see, labels not only carry different names, but many of them are loaded with meanings. And on that note, there is a darker side to labeling and naming, as shown by bullies and bashers, and what people throughout history remember about our main character in today's gospel. I am referring to the Apostle Thomas, someone who had the rare honor of being in the Lord's inner circle except that today's passage added a notorious prefix to his otherwise coveted label as apostle. And it is these unfortunate lines that he uttered that cemented his place in biblical infamy. That's what Unless I see the scars of the nails in his hands and put my finger on those scars and my hand in his side, I will not believe. As a result of today's passage, that statement alone earned him the ill repute, almost at par with Judas' kiss of betrayal or Peter's shameful denial. And speaking of notorious labels, it was only this morning that I was able to connect why in the 80s, there was a song on a teleseria entitled The Rooster of St. Peter, such that the rooster that reminded him of his Three denials is now his heavenly pet, according to this story. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? Now, going back to Thomas, even Jesus himself seemed to have corrected him right then and there. Stop your doubting and believe. Furthermore, Jesus seemed to have made a bad example of him, like how not to be a disciple. You believe because you see me. How happy are those who believe without seeing me? Jesus' comparison reminds me of YouTube instructionals that show how not to have a makeover. Poor Thomas, as history makes a bad example out of him. After all, isn't doubt 
the opposite of faith? The book of James, in encouraging believers to ask God for wisdom, said, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And if you think those are strong words against doubt, how about what follows? For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Wow! What a vote of no confidence against the doubter. In another passage, when Peter, afraid of the strong winds, was sinking and crying out, Lord, save me, upon saving him, Jesus said, You of little faith, why did you doubt? It does seem like doubt is the opposite of faith. And to have absolute faith is to remove all doubt. But you see, while there is a clear distinction between the pure light of faith and the pitch blackness of doubt or unbelief. In our daily life experience, however, when the light of faith enters our world, our distorted thoughts and fears refract this light and spread it into a prism of doubts of all shades, degrees, and colors between light and darkness. We see this when, as an example, a father asked Jesus to heal his son from evil spirits. When Jesus told him, all things are possible to him who believes, the man explained his faith this way. I do believe. Help my unbelief. Here, brothers and sisters, is our faith, often impure, laced with many levels of doubt. The most beautiful part about it is that while Jesus said that our faith makes healing possible, he did not wait for the man to achieve absolute and perfect faith in order for God to help him. In the same way that he did not leave Peter to drown because the apostle had little faith. This, brothers and sisters, is the good news. Our faith, no matter how little and impure, does not turn God off. In fact, the opposite is true. Our little faith is what draws God nearer to our rescue. You want to know the kind of faith God requires of us? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Amazing, right? Actually, let's back up. Let's, I was not quite representing sizes that well because this mulberry tree is not a three-foot bush. In fact, compared to this six-foot guy, it's actually a 48-foot giant, eight times taller than the man, which is what makes Jesus' words all the more amazing because he says, to get this giant to obey you, all you need is a mustard-sized faith, <laughs> even if there's bigger doubt. Now, what can delay God's saving work in our life, it's not because he is displeased with our weak faith, but that our faith might become so overwhelmed with doubt that it will not allow God to work wonders in our life. Much like the other thief on the cross, rather than humbly implore God for help 
was probably too full of spite and hatred, maybe desperation, that he instead mockingly challenged Jesus to save him out of disbelief for the Lord. Because faith is a partnership, which is by no means an equal partnership. No, no, no. It's the most lopsided partnership ever. God gives everything we can ever hope and dream into this partnership while we are simply asked to trust in His love. And even as Jesus has invited us to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that is the ideal to aspire for, of course. But while we're still learning it, meanwhile, God in His mercy will take whatever faith you give Him. Wounded, unsure, doubtful, partial, even self-serving faith. Offer it all to God and allow Him to transform you every step of the way. And as for our dear friend Thomas, well, let me just say he is in good company as he represents all of us during our many moments of doubt. He was just being sure, so let's give him a break. After all, we could easily attach his title to our name, <laughs> Doubting Alden, <laughs> Little Faith Annie, Distrusting Alex. But what struck me was that Jesus indulged him, for there is no human concern, objection, fear, or doubt that is beneath God to address. Peace be with you. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Then reach out your hand and put it in my side. And I am convinced that the next line that Jesus utter Stop your doubting and believe. is more an assurance to help strengthen Thomas' faith than a censure. And the next line is not so much for Thomas than to assure the coming generations, including us. Do you believe? Because you see me. How happy are those who believe without seeing me? That while we will not have the opportunity to see Jesus in flesh and blood in this life, unlike how the first apostles experienced him, we are in no small way blessed to still experience the fullness of His love, if we are truly open to His grace. And yes, with doubts and all. Brothers and sisters, we have a God who is just so full of mercy. No amount of doubt can keep Him away from us. In fact, it attracts Him to us even more. God bless you all and a blessed Easter to all of you. And if you are blessed by this, do share it so others will be blessed too. See you soon and bye-bye.